I've heard it all my life. Jesus is coming. Used to sing songs. Jesus is coming. But across the landscape of our houses of worship today, the cross has been removed. The blood has been removed. And even the anticipation of his return is no longer in our mind. But Paul in his writing simply said this, look up for your redemption draws near. If you've never heard anything this preacher said, please hear this this morning. Jesus is coming. And he's coming sooner than we believe. He says, for when you think not, that's when his appearing will come. The world we know isn't watching for him. But unfortunately, even those in the church aren't looking for him, which sets me to the stage this morning that he is soon to come. Today, oh, how I love him and how I anticipate his return. I'm so grateful for the presence of God in this room. I'm thankful that we have experienced just a small foretaste of his glory. Just a glimpse of what we can have. Because I pray this morning that what you have sensed in this room will whet your appetite to hear the word of the Lord. So I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I don't have an easy word to preach. But I have an on-time word to preach. And I have a word from the Lord this morning. I'm glad you got your shouting done the first part because you're probably not going to shout the second part, okay? But what I'm going to try to deliver in the next few moments with you and I will propel us from a foretaste into the fullness of his glory because let me remind you, he says that his desire is for us to go from glory to glory to glory. He wants us to be engulfed in his presence. And we're going to try to take us to the word, and it may seem a little solemn this morning at the beginning, but please stay with me, because I want to do my best to deliver to you what the Lord has put in my heart for us today. Before we do that, however, there's just a couple of things that I want us to know, and first of all, I'll let you decide if you want to take your kids to class, you're free to do so at this time. I'll make some announcements at the end of service uh, that I was going to make, but I don't feel like I should do that now. I think we should just be sensitive to the things of God. But I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 29, 2 Chronicles chapter number 29, and... I'm going to 
with the help of the Lord, take us on this journey. Let me say to our online audience this morning, I welcome you into this sanctuary. And I pray that where you're watching from, you have felt and experienced the presence of the Lord right where you are. I know many of our church family is battling a little sickness today and not able to be with us. And some has messaged me and said they will be back with us next Sunday, but they're out of an abundance of caution, not with us. But we, we know that you are with us, and we say thank you for joining us. And uh, we pray for complete recovery over them today. But this morning, I want to take us on a journey, and I want to deal with the subject, the danger of a defiled house. The danger of a defiled house. I want to read the first 11 verses of this chapter together with you, and then I'm going to reference and read on through this chapter in a moment. But to lay a starting point this morning, I believe the first 11 verses will do that. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand one time with me for the reading of the word of the Lord. I will not ask you to remain standing for the duration of this chapter because I am going to read extensively, but the first 11 verses, let us stand and read together if you're able. It says, Hezekiah began to reign when he was 25 years of age, and he reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, and the she was the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that, meaning Hezekiah, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Somebody say, that's a good thing. <laughs> According to all that David his father had done, and he in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he repaired them. And he brought in the priest and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street. And he said unto them, hear me. Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord your God, uh, the Lord God of our fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him, and they have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and they have turned their backs. Also, they have shut up the doors of the porch, and they have put out the lamps, and they have failed to burn incense, and they have not offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem. And he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as you see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister unto him and burn incense. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, right now I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in this room. I thank you for the men of God and the women of God that's in this room. I thank you for those that are joining us by way of technology today and that has their heart turned towards you. 
But Lord, I pray that over the next few moments of time, I could speak that which you have birthed in my spirit. Lord, help me to get out of the way so that your Holy Spirit can speak clearly and effectively. And Lord, that your word would penetrate our hearts and that our ears would be open to hear all that you would have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And if you would please indulge me this morning, please allow me to continue to read through this chapter just for a few moments. We find that in the first 11 verses, we have discovered the following. The lineage of David, Hezekiah, is 25 years of age, and he's beginning to reign over Jerusalem. As he begins his role as king, the first thing that he does is in the first month of his reign, he walks to the house of the Lord, and he finds that the doors are shut up and that there is nothing going on in the manner that it was instructed to be. Notice the first thing he did, he opened the doors, and then it says that he repaired them. Upon opening the doors and seeing what was the true condition of the temple at that time, it prompted him to call the Levites and the priest, and his message was very clear, sanctify yourself, for our fathers have fallen. And he begins to give them clear instructions. Now notice their response. In verse number 12, we find that they rose up, and this is what they did in verse number 15 and the following. It says, And they again gathered their brethren, and they sanctified themselves, and came according to the commandment of the king, by the words of the Lord, to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all of the uncleanliness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord, and the Levites took it to carry it out abroad under the brook Kidron. Now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify. On the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And then in the 16th day of the first month, they made an end. And then they went to Hezekiah the king, and they said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offering with all of the vessels thereof and the showbread table with all the vessels thereof. Moreover, all the vessels which the former king in his reign did cast away in his transgression have we prepared and sanctified, and behold... They are all before the altar of the Lord. Now upon hearing their report, Hezekiah returns back to the house of the Lord and with the rulers of the city, and he commands the priest to begin to offer up burnt offerings. Notice with me verse number 20 through 24. Then Hezekiah the king rose early, and he gathered the rulers of the city, and he went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bullocks and seven rams and seven lambs and seven he-goats for a sin offering to the king, for the kingdom and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. Now notice as he commanded them to do this, 
the following we also know took place at that time. In the following verses, in verses number 25 through verse 36, I won't read all of it, but let me read through some of it. It says, And then he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and parsleys and with harps, according to the commandment of David and of Gad the king Seir and Nathan the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priest with the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded to offer burnt offerings upon the altar. And when the burnt offerings began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshiped and the singers sang and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offerings was finished. But then in verse 31, Hezekiah then answered and said, Now you have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thanks offerings into the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in sacrifices and thanks offerings. And as many as were of free heart, burnt offerings. And notice this, and the number of the burnt offerings which the congregation brought was three score and ten bullocks, a hundred rams, two hundred lambs. All these were for a burnt offering to the Lord, and the consecrated things were six hundred oxen and three thousand sheep. But the priests were too few, so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore their brethren the Levites did help them till the work was ended. Then verse 36, And Hezekiah rejoiced, and all the people, that God had prepared the people For the thing was done suddenly. I know that's a lot of reading. But I want us to get this in our spirit this morning. I share this event in history today. To bring light to you and I. Concerning the truth of the hour in which we find ourselves in. In our nation. And in our communities today. It's easy for us to look around and to place blame on everything and everyone for the condition of our nation as well as the condition of our families. But I must pull back the curtain this morning for a few moments and by the Holy Spirit show you the truth of this hour. It's a truth that we do not want to acknowledge and want to look at, but we must. Hear me today. Notice now like then, in the day of Hezekiah, the house of the Lord has become defiled. Oh, how Hezekiah must have felt in the first month of his reign when he went to the house of the Lord and opened the doors and he saw everything in shambles. I pray to God this morning, spiritually speaking, that the Lord would allow us to open up a spiritual door and look inside and see the true condition of what has been allowed in the house of the Lord. I don't come this morning with legalism and I don't come with tradition. But I come with the word of the Lord today. If sin was accepted in the eyes of God, he would have never 
had Jesus be born and placed in a manger. Once again, men have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord. They have forsaken him and they have turned their backs and their faces from him. They have shut up the doors of his house and their feet are no longer running towards him, but they are running from him. They no longer trim the lamp so that they can burn continuously and brightly in the Holy of Holies. They no longer go beyond the veil and enter into that sacred place that we have been granted, which has produced the same effect in our nation today as it did in Judah and Jerusalem. Please notice with me this morning in our reading in 2 Chronicles 29, 8 and 9. Let me give it to you again. Hezekiah said, as he was speaking to the Levites and the priest, after he had discovered the condition of the house of the Lord in those first seven verses of this chapter, he pulls them to the side and sets them in the street called the East Street. And he says, listen, young men, you have been chosen for such a time as this, but notice the condition. Jerusalem and Judea is under the wrath of God because this house is lying in ruins. He says, wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as you see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. What do you mean for this, preacher? For the condition that the temple was in. I know this isn't a popular message this morning. And I know some of you are saying, why aren't we still shouting? Please hear me. There will be a continuous shout return when we get back to a place of holiness. We will see, we see this morning with our own eyes today, a day of trouble. Today we see fathers falling by the sword of darkness in many areas of life. Our wives and our children are living in bondage, uncertainty, fear, depression, and hopelessness is all abounding, even amongst those that identify as men and women of faith. God help us this morning. That is not the norm for God's people. I stand as Hezekiah stood today proclaiming to you, it is my heart to make covenant with the Lord. It is not in my heart to beat anyone up. It's not my heart to stand here and say that I'm better than you. My heart is to make a covenant with the Lord so that I can once again begin to maybe, just maybe, see Hezekiah's and Nehemiah begin to be present where they begin to sound the alarm and weep and cry for a nation again. That we may see as well a divine reversal of the darkness that is covering our land. Now, right then, there must be a cleansing of the house of the Lord. Please hear me. Psalms 29 and 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in holiness or in the beauty of holiness. Can I tell you this morning, holiness is a beautiful thing. Psalms 96 and 9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Now why is this important today? We find that Paul in his writings in Romans chapter 6, verse 18 through 23, he says the following, Been then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. 
I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of our flesh. For as you have yielded your members service to uncleanliness and to iniquity, into, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members service to righteousness and to holiness. But verse number 22 says this, but now been made free from sin and become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness. What does all of this really mean? Today, please hear me. The danger of a defiled house cannot be ignored. This morning, while we're sitting in this house, there is a generation that's dying, lost without God. We have been given this glorious message, and for 2,000 years, we've had possession of it. But then the house of the Lord become distracted with building the kingdoms of men instead of the kingdom of God. And we presently today are setting with 3.2 billion people that have yet to hear the name of Jesus out of the 7 billion that's on this planet. The question today is, who will reach them? The question is, how will we reach them? We will not reach them if the house of the Lord is in a place of shambles. In Hezekiah's day, we find that he walks in, the table of shoe bread is destroyed, the incense is not a sending out the aroma. The candlesticks is in disarray and there's no flame of fire burning. There is no brazen altar been used. There is no laver been used. Everything is setting idle and the doors have been broken and they have been neglected and we wonder why things aren't happening. They was bowing to every other God except for the one true God. And today we find ourselves bowing to everything that man has created. But yet the house of the Lord has lost its significance in our lives. We want to talk about a revival. We want to talk about a move of the Spirit. Uh, but yet we are so comfortable in our sin and our unrighteousness uh, that we don't want to look at ourselves. And the thing today, listen, we have got to get back to being a peculiar your people. Uh, listen, uh, I know that it's not popular and I know that everybody wants to be accepted and everybody wants to get along. Well, can I tell you, you and I cannot get along with sin. Everything can't be in unity. I'm sorry. The thing is that we are been pushed by the kingdom of darkness to unify with sin itself and the darkness of his kingdom. Uh, but listen, we are the called out ones, the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have been bought with the price and we belong to another uh, and we are not our own, but we are servants uh, unto righteousness. Uh, we are men and women that's called to live uh, in a holy manner. Uh, I'm not talking about legalistic issues this morning. So you can 
can sit on me if you want to, that's fine. Uh, but what I'm talking about is a life that is set apart uh, for the service of God. Uh, I'm talking about somebody that wakes up every morning and says, I got to tell somebody about Jesus. Uh, I'm talking about a passion that burns so brightly uh, in your life uh, that you begin to be unsettled uh, with the common uh, quo. Uh, uh, and you begin to say, I just can't continue to do what I've always done. Uh, listen, uh, I'm thankful for the house of God that we come to. Uh, I'm thankful for the worship that we have. Uh, I'm thankful for the testimonies that's given. Uh, I'm thankful for the expression of worship. Uh, but listen, uh, all of those things uh, are just the beginning. Uh, if that's all we have, we are men most miserable uh, and we don't have a reason to be emotional. Uh, but when we begin to see the lost and dying that's going to hell uh, begin to fall in an altar again, uh, then I'll shout with you. Uh, when I begin to see the broken begin to be restored, uh, I'll dance with you. Uh, when I see cancer healed, uh, I'll run the aisles with you. Uh, but until then, uh, don't expect me to be too excited uh, because can I tell you, uh, men and women need Jesus. Uh, they don't need anything else. Uh, what they need is an encounter uh, with the one true living God but we are so in love with the world that we don't portray him to them God help us this morning the danger of a defiled house cannot be ignored but our nation is crumbling this morning because we're religious instead of being holy In Dubai today, you can find a circle, a big square. We have a Muslim temple been built. We see a Catholic church been built. We see a Protestant church been built. And we're seeing a Jewish synagogue been built all on the same piece of property because we're all going to come together and we're all going to be one. Really? That's called defilement. But yet we, that's a wonderful thing, preacher. It's not. I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but I'm trying to be real with you. Hezekiah stood and said, listen, Judah and Jerusalem is under the wrath of God because of this house and the condition it's in. America today is under selective judgment because we want to sing a song on Sunday, but we want to drink our whiskey on Tuesday. I told you you weren't going to shout with me this morning. We dance on Sunday, but we sleep around on Thursday. We'll amen the preacher on Sunday. But we'll gossip about everybody in the house on Friday. I'll trade places with anybody this morning. Now, listen, you'd like to sit. You can stand here if you'd like. But the danger of a defiled house. You say, is it really that bad? 
I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I'm going to be very real with you this morning. Your son and your daughter is bound by addiction because of your religious behavior instead of having an intimate relationship with Jesus. You're not going to see anything change in our nation. You're not going to see anything change in your family until you get rid of all of the fluff and all of the religion and all of the tradition and come back to an altar and say, God, do a work in me. Lord, make me and mold me into the man of God and the woman of God that you want me to be. If you have not noticed, I am not interested in a popularity contest this morning. But what I am interested in is saving a nation and saving your family and getting back to a place where the power and the anointing of God begins to rain down in the house of worship again. This house will never be what it's supposed to be until this house begins to come under subjection to the word of God. And when I talk about this house, I'm talking about your house like this as well. Mommies and daddies, you're going to have to lay hands on your babies and pray for them. Not in an altar where everybody sees, but before you put them to bed at night and say, God, I give them to you. We have a generation that's dying. But we want to make this feel good. Paul writes, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You notice he didn't just say holiness because there is a fabricated holiness. And I'm going to tell you something. Please don't fall out with me. I believe in morality. I believe that men shouldn't wear shirts three sizes too small or pants for that matter. Nor do I believe that women should do that. I believe we should be covered. We should be modest. But I'm telling you, some people have labeled holiness as outward attire. That's fabricated holiness. I was raised with some of those people. And those are the people that treated my daddy and my mommy like trash. So I have a problem with that. But I'm talking about true holiness. We're the heart of God. I hope y'all come back next Sunday. But the heart of God is what's important. You see, when my heart is in tune with his heart, I'll talk right, I'll dress right, I'll act right, I'll live right. I won't be looking for the things of the world, but I will be looking unto the Lord who is the author and the finisher of my faith, and I will work out my salvation with fear and trembling. 
Meaning this, I will not live as close to the world as I can, but I will run from the world and I will run to Jesus and I will have true holiness and my life will be an exemplary life that brings honor and glory to God. But some of your children don't want to go to church because they've heard you bash the preacher for the last five years, but then you ask them to come to the house of God with you. It's not enough just to get this outward right by your standard. If this ain't right, you can have all of this you want, and you're still going to be in hell. But when you get this right, this will be right, and this will be right, this will be right, and this will be right. It's not my message, but it's right. For God did not call us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. Therefore, he says in Hebrews 12 and 14, follow peace. With all men and holiness. Let me get this. Please hear me. In a world where everybody's trying to put everybody against this and that. and Well, if you're Pentecostal, you can't associate with the Methodist. If you're Methodist, you can't associate with the Baptist. Listen, he says, follow peace with all men and holiness. You can never have holiness unless first you all understand, follow all men with peace. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Listen, if we're not united together as brothers and sisters in the faith, and if we're not seeking holiness under the Lord, listen, we're not going to see him in the manner we think we're going to see him. Instead of seeing him, receiving rewards, you'll be seeing him at a white throne judgment. And God help us, we don't want to be there. To be holy simply says, means this, and I said it already, but let me say it again means to be set apart for the service of the Lord. And we know in Zechariah's day it was a natural temple, but today it is a spiritual temple and it is our temple. Paul said this, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hezekiah repaired the doors, the priest offered the sacrifice, and the Levites played the instruments and the people worshipped. Notice what happened. All of a sudden, when the defilement got removed of the house, Anybody remember what we read? First we read there was seven rams and seven he-goats and all of that, right? But then after the house is cleansed, I won't reread it to you. Hezekiah turns to people and says, now your heart is consecrated unto the Lord. Now you bring what you think needs to be brown. And there was an abundance of stuff brought to the house this thing was done suddenly. Anybody remember reading that? What was done suddenly? The hearts of Jerusalem and the hearts of Judah changed not because of a preacher, not because of a song, but because there was a cleansing of the house. Nobody was drawn to this thing they didn't care that the doors was broke. They didn't care that the doors was closed. They didn't care that there wasn't no shoe bread on the table. They didn't care that there was a, no candlelight burning. They did not care that, the, that there was no water in the laver. They didn't care anything about it. But all of a sudden, when they began to see the Levites and the priest 
began to carry out the junk from the house. And they began to go back and they began to bring out what had been transgressed and prepared it, meaning they restored it and put it back before the altar of the Lord. There began to be a thing done that nobody saw in the natural. Listen, stay with me just for five minutes. When you and I began to cleanse the defilement from our lives, there begins to be a thing done that man doesn't see, but it begins to touch their heart. And Jerusalem and Judah, hear me, that eight days prior had no desire. The whole atmosphere changed in that city because the house was holy again. And now those that had no desire begins to bring an abundance to be offered unto the Lord. Can I tell you this morning, there is a generation that doesn't have a desire to be in this house. But when this house gets holy, there's going to begin to be a heart change. And that's when the wayward children are getting ready to start running back to the house of God. And listen, there was such an abundance, the priest wasn't able to take care of it, but the Levites had to come alongside and begin to help and assist. Can I tell you, we are getting ready to transition in the midst of all of the craziness of this world. If, that's a little word, but it has big impact. I want you to hear me in the last month of this year, going into 2022, if the church will repent in the midst of darkness, there is going to be Jerusalem's and Judea's that's getting ready to turn their hearts to God. This nation's going to go crazy. That's another message, maybe a New Year's Eve day. But there is getting ready to be a cleansing of the house of God in Jerusalem's. And there's going to begin to be a return. But it hinges on you and I with what are we going to do with his house. And I'm not talking about this house. I'm talking about this house. I don't stand before you today with a list of do's and don'ts. I don't stand before you with my personal convictions. But I stand before you with the word of the Lord telling you this. If the Lord prompts something in your life, I don't care what it is. It may be significantly large or it may be significantly small. And God says, you just don't need that in your life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to remove it by faith from my life. And as you begin to do that, there is going to be a return of his glory and his power. And what you saw this morning at the beginning of this service is going to pale in comparison to what God is wanting to do in this last day harvest. But the question is, do we understand the necessity of purity and holiness? Let me give you this disclaimer this morning. When you walk in purity and you walk in holiness, you will look different than the world. 
you will sound different than the world, and you will live a different life than the world. So that means sometimes you say no to things and say yes to other things. Please hear me as they come to the piano this morning. I'm going to quit because if I don't, nobody will be here next Sunday. But let me give you this in closing. David, after his failure with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet comes and delivers the word of the Lord to him. He then pins these words in Psalms 51. He says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He said, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He said, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. David's son Solomon wrote the following in Proverbs 16 and 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You see, today, it's not easy to preach messages such as this. Because I do love you. And I know that you love me and you love my family. And I don't stand here mean-spirited at all. And I'm not going to try to live up to your expectations nor do I expect you to live up to my expectations but we all have to live according to this as the Lord brings us revelation but when I accepted the call to be the minister of the gospel listen it was one of those things I said Lord you surely messed up on this one but when I accepted I had to accept the responsibility to preach the whole counsel of God. That means if I'm going to tell you about heaven, I have to tell you about hell. If I tell you about miracles and signs and wonders, then I also have to tell you about iniquity and sin and defilement. So I don't want you to walk out of here feeling like, man, he beat us up today. But I want you to walk out of here knowing this, that God has more for us. And that because of error and indoctrination of men, oftentimes all of us in our human nature, we're sucked in because it sounds good, it feels good, and we find that on this sea of life, if we're not careful, our compass gets off just a notch. And we start noticing that our destination's here, but somehow we're way over here or we're way over there. And sometimes, us shepherds, we love you, but sometimes we're probably not the easiest with our shepherd's hook. So I didn't mean to really hook you real hard this morning. I just wanted to take my little staff and just kind of gently move us back to center. Because I love you.
I don't want to lose one. But I want all of us to enter into a place called heaven. But I don't want just us to go. I want to look over your shoulder and I want to see your sons and your daughters, your nieces and your nephews all going up with us. Oh, what a day that'll be. When my Jesus I'll see. But Isaiah, the prophet of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 6, he said, in the year King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. He said, I saw the cherubims and they were saying, holy, 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 in such a manner the pillars were shaking. Everything was happening. And I preached that message. As you get down to verse 6 of that chapter, the angel of the Lord, see from picked up the coal off the altar and come and has touched the lips. And Isaiah, who had said to Israel for the first five chapters, Woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. Chapter number six, he says, Woe is me. But he said this. When that coal was laid upon his mouth and it touched his lips, said that his iniquity was taken away and his sin was purged. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that's willing to extend mercy and grace to us? We're taught all throughout Scripture to walk upright and to walk in holiness. So today I'm simply just calling us back. Why is that? Because later in Isaiah 58, verse 12, it says, And they shall be of thee, shall build the old waste places. That means those of Christ. And they'll ask, and thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Here's what I believe. You and I are a generation that are called to be repairers of the breach. Not only are we taking out some iniquity, but we're going to begin to repair the house of the Lord. We are going to begin to experience the glory of our King. Jeremiah, the prophet of old, said this. He said, stand in the way. Look around and see. But he said, ask for the old path. Where is the good way? Can I say to you this morning, there's still a good way. Our nation this morning's in trouble. I stand here today with a heavy heart. But I stand here today and tell you that God knows what he's doing. For the last five years, I've stood in this platform and I've shared with you countless times of exposing of crumbling of chariot wheels coming off and where God is getting ready to glory and we're seeing men and women that thought they was untouchable begin to see in the last two weeks especially their wheels have come off they're grounded 
I don't celebrate their destruction. But I'm here to tell you we're still at the beginning of it. And my prayer today is this. God, let them call out to you before that wave of Holy Spirit begins to come back across. Because God's about to be manifested and glorified in this hour. Because can I tell you what's already happening in this nation? Men and women like you and I, as you've been going to your prayer closet, as you've been going back to the Word, and maybe you don't understand even why you've been drawn to go deeper and deeper. You don't understand why your heart maybe has begun to burn for some things of God. What was happening is God was taking you, began the process that the priest and the Levites did in the chapter that we read. You've been uncluttering your life. Not that you was out doing nothing maybe bad, but there's just some things you've been removing, same things you've been changing. You didn't really understand it. God's positioning you and repositioning you. And there's getting ready to be in the midst of darkness an illuminating light appear. Just like in Jerusalem and Judah, notice what happened. The atmosphere and the aroma of the city changed because one house was purged. And as the house of God the body of Christ has been purged in this hour. And the thing has been removed, not just from here, please hear me, but as things are beginning to be removed, I believe in the next 30 days, behind the veil, I, I believe this with all of my heart and I feel the Spirit when I tell you this. In the next 30 days, this month, there is a purging taking place in the holy place in America because come January 2022, there's getting ready to be an aroma that comes back from the house of God. And those that are out there are going to begin to bring themselves. They're not going to bring a lamb or a goat, but they're going to bring themselves and they're going to lay themselves at the altar and God is going to receive them. And there is a harvest coming. I'm going to stand here and tell you 2022 is a year of harvest. But what will determine on the harvest been in this house like any other house across this nation is going to be on what you and I decide to do with this right now. Let's get rid of the filth. Let's get rid of the junk. Not because the preacher said so, but because that little still small voice that you hear that says you don't need that anymore I'm calling you you don't, you don't necessarily need to be involved in that anymore because I'm calling you see he's not just trying to take stuff from you here's how he works here's how he works Garrett, you got a dollar. Come on. I know you, you got to have a dollar. You got to have a dollar. Can I have a dollar? I just took a dollar. Here. Come back. There. I got cheated on that deal. 
<laughs> See how quickly the thing changes? If he's asking anything from you, rest assured, he's going to give you more in return. As we stand all over this house, Here's what I want to say to you this morning. And then we're going to pray. This can't be okay any longer. Do you understand? We can't, we can't say that's okay any longer. Because if this comes into alignment, then this becomes aligned. And then there begins to be an open heaven. There begins to be an outpouring of the power and the anointing of God. And then when people begin to drive by, they just turn in. They don't know why. They just do. They find themselves coming to know Jesus. But the question is, will we respond to the call? Hezekiah 25-year-old young man stands before the priest, the Levites, and says, don't neglect the call. I'm just issuing a call today. And I'm asking you not to neglect the call of the Holy Spirit to your heart. And as you respond, I promise you, I promise you when you respond that the Lord will honor because when we walk in holiness and he looks down from the portals of heaven he sees the reflection of himself and the blessing and the favor of God begins to be bestowed upon his people so as they just began to minister in song this morning I'm going to call us to an old-fashioned time of prayer. You can stand, you can kneel, you can pray in your seat. I don't care. But I'm going to ask you this morning, will you self-examine? Will you say, Lord, if there's anything, show me. Let's get the house in order. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jade here. I want to thank you for watching today. I pray that this message spoke directly to you and challenged and transformed your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I want to invite you to connect with us on social media and stay up to date with what's happening here at PTC. I pray that you have a great week and a great year in the Lord. We love you.